0: Berry Chantilly Cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You are listening to As a Woman, Episode 4: Age and Fertility. In this episode, we will talk about the number one question I get asked as a fertility doctor: When should I have kids? Learn about your fertility, understand how age impacts reproduction, and discuss when an evaluation by a fertility specialist is recommended. Even if you already have kids, learn more about what your friends and family may be going through. Listen to my challenge for you this week. Welcome to As a Woman, the podcast hosted by fertility physician, Dr. Natalie Crawford to educate and empower women. Each week, learn about your health, your fertility, and how they relate to your true self. Become a part of the community fostering collaboration over competition while learning how to authentically find your voice and amplify others as a woman. Hi, friends. I'm so excited to welcome you back to As a Woman. You are now listening to episode four Age and Fertility. The number one question I get asked as a fertility specialist is when should I have kids? And I think it speaks to the heart of why I really started this Instagram in the first place, that we, as women, are not taught about our bodies. We are not educated about what is normal, what is not normal, and we are not told what happens as we let time pass. We are told we can have it all and that we should chase our dreams, which I love. Yes, please chase your dreams. Please dream big. Please set amazingly fantastic goals. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, yes. But friends, please do not ignore your fertility in the process. I believe we all have our own version of what it means to have it all, which I actually love because I love goals that are multifaceted. But if part of having it all for you is having children, then this topic must be understood and you need a plan. Because when does the wait and see approach really ever lead you to achieving any of your other dreams in the way that you want? And y'all, I'm not trying to scare you. This podcast topic today, this is not a scare tactic here. I don't want to do that. I do not believe that every woman needs to go out and freeze her eggs out of fear for her fertility. But I'm challenging you to think, and I'm asking you, what is your goal when it comes to your fertility or your family or having kids. And all I'm really asking you to do is think about it. And I want to say there's no right or wrong answers here. None. If this is you, this is your life, these are your dreams, and you can't plan for something if you don't identify it as important to you. So you must start from within, and it's okay to be flexible. It's okay to identify what the sublime world would look like, but it's also important to understand what the bottom line, what you'll tolerate, what's acceptable for your happiness. And so we're going to dive right in. This episode's going to be full of numbers and statistics, and I'm just going to say this again. These are not to scare you. These are averages and odds, and every single person is on their own unique pathway, and they have their own odds or probability. You may be at the top end of the curve. You may be at the bottom. The truth is We don't know unless we know. And that's the whole point about this. So the odds of getting pregnant per menstrual cycle, so not overall, but per month that you have a period, that's called fecundability. And I know it's a mouthful, but I'm going to use that word because it's really accurate. And one of the difficulties when talking about fertility is there's a lot of different endpoints that we can measure. Live birth, pregnancy, positive pregnancy tests, and none of them are right or wrong, but it's important to know what we're talking about. So this is just the odds of being pregnant at the end of a given month. And the average fecundability for most young women, so we'll define that as under the age of 32, that's approximately 20 to 25%. So most couples in this age range who try to get pregnant, most of them will be pregnant within four months. And by one year of trying, about 15% will not be pregnant. And this is the definition of infertility the percentage of people who are not pregnant after one year of trying. So infertility impacts about one out of every eight women. Your fecundability also decreases with the amount of time you've been trying to get pregnant. Meaning even if you're young, you're under the age of 30, you're just starting to try to get pregnant, your odds of success are 20 to 25%. That's not so bad. But if you've now been trying for over a year, your odds are 5% per month. And if you've been trying for over two years, your odds are 2 to 3% per month. Guys, it's not zero, but that is not nearly high enough for any of us to feel comfortable that just taking a wait-and-see approach is going to be appropriate for your family, especially if you want more than one child. And your fecundability, it markedly decreases with age, especially if you have never gotten pregnant in the past. So if you're trying to get pregnant for the first time and you're 35, your chance of getting pregnant is about 12% per month. At age 38, it's 5% per month. And at age 40, it's 3% per month. And it's even lower over that. Once you've had a child, these numbers are not quite as scary. So it's 20% at age 33, 15% at 35, 13% at 39, and 8% at 40. Overall though, you can see that once you kind of hit over that 35, these numbers start to really go down. And part of this difference is because women who've never gotten pregnant or they've never tried to get pregnant, they may have underlying fertility issues that we don't know about. So as you are sitting there and waiting, planning your life and chasing your dreams and doing incredible things, you're also letting time compound on itself and we may not know you have an issue. There are two different mechanisms that contribute to it being harder to get pregnant as we get older. And it's really important to understand that they are different so you can understand how your fertility changes. The first is that we run out of eggs. And the second is that there is a decrease in egg quality. What I mean by egg quality is that as we age, there's an increase in the number of random genetic abnormalities in our eggs. And this also causes a higher rate of miscarriage. For the record, I hate that word quality. It makes it feel like it's something that's under your control. And it really is not. It's really related to age. And the rate of miscarriage, it increases as you get older too. So, it's about 15 to 20% when you're under 34. It's 20 to 30% when you're 35 to 39. And when you're 40 and over, it's over 50%. That means if you are 40 and you have never gotten pregnant, your chance of getting pregnant per month is 3%. And if you get pregnant, your chance of miscarriage is over 50%. Neither of those numbers are zero, but my gosh, you guys, the odds of ending up with a baby from that is not very high. And something that I see all the time is I have women come in to see me and they just rely on the advanced technology that exists in my field and not worry about it. They come in and they say, I'm just going to do IVF. It'll all work out because that tech is so amazing. The tech is amazing. I totally agree, but it is not a cure all. And it's not a woman's fault for feeling this way. If you've ever thought this and you're listening, I am not blaming you. This is society. Society has glamorized celebrity childbearing at older ages, and they've not always been clear by the mechanisms by which that pregnancy occurred. Many of these celebrities use donor eggs. Some of them froze their eggs at younger ages. You just don't know the truth there. And so society has made it so that fertility is such a personal goal that we're not even talking about the truth about how it happens and how we get pregnant. But let's go back to the other point about we run out of eggs. That's pretty well known. Almost every woman I talk to, they know they're going to run out of eggs at some time and go into menopause. There's no denying that there. But let's think about some of the numbers and let's kind of put these in our brain, just how this process works. So you have the most eggs you're ever gonna have while you are a baby inside your mother's womb. You have about six to seven million. From there on, we have a constant decrease in our egg number. By birth, there's only one to two million eggs. There's only about 300,000 by the time you start puberty, and you only ovulate about 400 eggs over the course of an average reproductive lifespan. And so I often get asked, if you're born with one to two million, but you only ovulate 400 eggs, who is sponsoring this episode apostrophe's goal is to help you feel confident in your own skin so whether you're dealing with breakouts signs of aging or acne scarring apostrophe will help you love the skin you're in i personally love that you get access to an expert dermatology team a tailored treatment plan it's simple to sign up for your first visit and there is no in-person appointment or trip to the pharmacy needed we have a special deal for our audience Get your first visit for only $5 at apostrophe.com slash A-A-W when you use our code A-A-W. That's a savings of $15. This code is only available to our listeners. To get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash A-A-W and click get started. Then use the code A-A-W at sign up and you'll get your first visit for only $5. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. And now a word from one of our sponsors, Quince. passing the saving to us, and only working with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices. I personally cannot wait to wear my cute tan linen set this summer. So it's your turn to get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com A-A-W for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot slash A-A-W to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash A-A-W. Thank you, Quince. And the easiest way to think about this is that you have all your eggs kind of inside a vault inside your ovary. And I don't know how many you have in your vault. Nobody knows. No test can tell us that. But at the start of each month, a group of eggs is released from the vault, and they can come to the surface of the ovary. We can see these eggs on ultrasound. We call them the antral follicles and we count them, and that number means something. But these are the eggs, those antral follicles, that's how many can respond to FSH, which is follicle-stimulating hormone. In a normal month, FSH comes from the brain, and it stimulates one egg to ovulate. The rest of the eggs that have been released from the vault that do not get stimulated that month, they die. Did you hear that? So every month, whole group comes to the surface. One ovulates, everybody else dies. Next month, it's a whole new group. And when we start talking about IVF or egg freezing or fertility treatments, really all we do is give more FSH than the brain really can make. And we stimulate all of those eggs at the surface to grow instead of dying. But we can't make more eggs come out of the vault. So if you are starting to run out of eggs, and fewer eggs are being released every month from your vault, there's nothing I can do about it. That's the maximum that I can get, even with all my fancy technology. And that's why when you're running out of eggs, all of our treatments become harder. Women have to go through more cycles for egg freezing or for IVF because there is strength in numbers. When we talk about this number of eggs, the antral follicle count, that's really one measure of something we call ovarian reserve. And in the fertility world, we measure ovarian reserve to try to determine where you are in the pathway of egg decline. Some women run out of eggs earlier than others. And when you have a lower number of eggs than you should for your age, we call this DOR, or diminished ovarian reserve. And you can run out of eggs. You can go into premature menopause. And I, like almost every fertility doctor, we've had patients in our in their 20s and 30s who have run out of eggs prematurely. It happens, and you often cannot predict who is it going to happen to. Another common evaluation of ovarian reserve is a blood test, and this test is called AMH or anti-Mullerian hormone. Now, AMH is a long name, but simply it's made from the cells that surround all of those small antral follicles. And I think it's important to say here that the number of eggs that's released from the vault, we think that that correlates with how many are left behind. So you have more eggs left in the vault, more released every month. When you have fewer eggs in the vault, fewer are released every month. And that's not constant. It's not like it's going to be 20, 20, 20, 20. There's normal variation month to month. And so these tests do fluctuate Usually we say like 20 to 30%, but those of us in clinical practice sometimes even see it more. So you can have good months and bad months. So I don't think that these numbers, like an AMH number, is like you should solidify it in your brain. I tell my patients that I use AFC, the antral follicle count, and AMH to place them into a category, above average, average, low, critically low. And this can help us determine what the next best steps for you are based on your goals. And where I think this is really powerful is that you may modify your reproductive goals based on the information you get. You may come up with a new timeline for you're gonna have earlier attempts at conception. You may consider egg freezing or you just may accept that alternative paths to parenthood such as donor eggs or adoption may be the best way for you if you do in fact run out of eggs before you're ready to get pregnant. And if we're getting into the nitty gritty, there's a couple other blood tests that also fall into the category of tests of ovarian reserve. On cycle day two through four, so if day one is the first day you start your full flow of bleeding, we can check FSH and estradiol. And a high FSH is diagnostic of menopause or ovarian failure. And I just think of it this way. The brain is sending out all the FSH it has, and trying as hard as it can to get an egg to respond, and the ovary is in failure. That's what menopause is, ovarian failure. So the ovary has nothing left to give. The brain keeps sending out that FSH. No egg grows. No estrogen is made. The ovary has nothing to give. And in these instances, no matter what I do, I cannot make a woman's ovaries grow eggs even with the highest doses of medication. Once your ovaries have entered failure or your FSH starts rising, you're not gonna respond to high doses of FSH. Your body's already seeing that and your ovaries are not doing anything with it. And those cases are really hard. That's where, as a fertility specialist, you have to tell a patient, I, I tell patients, your opportunity for a genetic child has now passed. And we have to expand our vision of what being a parent looks like, meaning if you want to carry a baby and give birth and breastfeed and bond with that baby, that's beautiful. And you can still do that. You can, but you're going to have to get on board with donor eggs, eggs from another woman. Or you can start looking at, you know, adoption or or other forms in that way, or accept that maybe... Your pathway doesn't include children. None of those are really easy places to come to, and I know that. But it's important to have that information so you can make the appropriate plan for you. And importantly, there's a lot of variation per each individual woman based on how many eggs you're born with, which is somewhat random by genetics or maternal environment during pregnancy or lifestyle factors. But egg number and egg quality are independent factors, meaning that if you are young and running out of eggs, they are still better quality than an older woman. Which brings us back to the quality issue. Age is the only surrogate marker we currently have to quantify egg quality, meaning I don't have a test I can do to see if your eggs are good or bad. What we do know is that as we age, the proteins that hold our chromosomes apart Inside our eggs, they start to break down, and that's why we see that uneven split in your chromosome number. And this is what's called aneuploidy, or an abnormal chromosome number. And that is the number one cause of miscarriage, and that risk of aneuploidy, it increases with age. And a couple notes, there are probably many other factors that actually do impact egg quality that we cannot study because we don't have a test. If we can't evaluate the quality of your eggs, I can't do a study to see what impacts it. But likely things like stress, diet, inflammation, illness, they probably impact how your body and how your eggs are functioning. And I always say this about studies. Just because something is hard to study doesn't mean that it's not important or impactful. And this is why most fertility physicians, myself included, are huge advocates for healthy living and optimizing lifestyle factors which may appear to positively influence natural fertility, which is something we can study. And due to this quality issue, the odds of getting pregnant decrease as we get older. I already said that. And another statistic I use sometimes that resonates more with women who are in this early 30, mid 30, is that for every year over the age of 30, the probability for ongoing pregnancy decreases by about 1.5% per year. And that number is really meaningful. I'm going to switch and kind of approach this in a different way because I think this sheds a lot of light on the topic. And if you follow me on Instagram, we talked about this some. There was a study in the Journal of Women's Health in 2016 that showed that over 24% of female physicians had infertility. And I already told you earlier that the average rate of infertility is 15%. So that's huge. That's much higher. That's one in four and not one in eight. And the average age for the first pregnancy for these women was 7.4 years later than the national average. And I'm not surprised by that, right? The length of medical training and everything else, it is normal that many female physicians delay childbearing. What I found shocking about this study that a lot of people didn't talk about was the difference in the knowledge of female physicians about infertility and treatment success rates. At older reproductive ages, most of these female physicians thought that if you were over 40, IVF had a 33.8% chance of working, of resulting in a pregnancy. And guys, it is much lower. It is much, much lower. And now a word for one of our sponsors, Ritual. Did you know that women were excluded from clinical research policy by federal law until 1993? But women belong in scientific research. They're essential and Ritual knows this. No my shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin that you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash A-A-W. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash A-A-W for 25% off. Thank you, Ritual. And Just to put this in context, these are female physicians, highly educated women who understand the complex physiology of the body, who've learned something about reproduction in their training, and they overestimate IVF success rates at older ages. So of course, the general population does too. And so let's take that 33.8% chance and put it into what's reality. So the chance of live birth per the recent SART data, and this is where we compile statistics and you can compare clinics. It takes years to result this out. So this data is from 2015. If you're under 35, your chance of live birth is 53%. If you're 35 to 37, 40%. If you're 38 to 40, 26%. If you're 41 to 42, 12%. If you are over 42, 4%. So 4 to 12% if you're over age 40, hugely lower than 33.8%. That's a huge difference. And you can see in that over 42 category of 4%, that's not very far off from the natural chance of getting pregnant of 3%. And that's why most of us in the fertility space do not do very many IVF cycles in women of this age range. And that's because their chance of getting pregnant is so comparable to natural conception. Of course, there's exclusions for male factor and tubal factor and things that I'm not going into. But I think it's important to put that in perspective that a lot of fertility clinics do not do IVF. in women who are older, because their chance is not any better than if they just tried naturally. And so I think it comes back to this. What is your goal? I know I'm always talking about that question, but I mean it. When it comes to having a family, what is your goal? So for me, I wanted kids. I wanted to be a mom. And I knew I wanted to wait until I was further into my training to try to achieve that. But I also knew that if I couldn't have genetic children, it would be okay, meaning I would be open to exploring egg donation or adoption if that's what had to happen. I mean, the sublime, my goal, I wanted kids of my own. But if it had to happen in another pathway, then that would be okay for me. And that knowledge gave me some freedom, meaning if I ran out of eggs before I was ready, I would be okay. I mean, don't get me wrong, I hoped that wouldn't happen, but I had space to figure that out. And now I admit I was really lucky I found my partner, I found Jason early in life and he was on the same page and that gave me some freedom. But many of you guys know my fertility journey wasn't easy. I had multiple miscarriages. I had an ectopic pregnancy and our path had lots of heartache and doubt along the way. But we got there and we have the two best kiddos on earth. But I know how hard it is to be in that space and think about this and wonder if that dream or that goal will ever be achieved for you. And it is okay if you have a different goal. Let that one sink in. You can have a different goal. I don't care. Nobody cares. It's your goal. And if you want genetic kids and that's part of the beauty and motherhood for you is that genetic connection, then that's fine. That's good for you. That is fine. Don't listen to what I just said above and says, oh, okay, well, that's Natalie's goal, and so that needs to be mine too. You can have a different path, and you might. You just need to know what path you're on. I see women struggle with this all the time. They thought they'd be fine with whatever happened, but in reality, they want a child, and they want that genetic connection. The combination of them and their partner coming together to make a child is part of what makes it magical, and that is okay, but if that is you, do not be late to the game. And so a few pieces of advice. When you are ready to get pregnant, make sure that you are making your best effort with each cycle. Understand what impacts fertility. Learn how to track your cycles. Make sure your cycles are regular. And if your periods aren't coming regularly or you are having severe pain or difficulty with intercourse, you're not really trying as you should be. It's not your fault, but go see a doctor right away. Your OBGYN or fertility doctor. Number two, Talk to your doctor, your OBGYN or a fertility specialist about testing your ovarian reserve. Can they do an AMH blood test? And even though it's not perfect, it could categorize you and at least make you feel if the timeline in your head makes sense for you. Certainly, if I was younger and married and found out that my AMH was low and I might have a shortened timeline, I might have changed my current pathway. And three, if you know you don't wanna have kids until you're after 32, for sure, but you really want genetic children, you should consider seeing an REI, a fertility doctor like I am, to learn more about egg freezing. And if your starting age and your brain is really 35 to 37 and you'd like to have more than one child, then that recommendation is even stronger. And I'm gonna just give a final thing is just a note on egg freezing. Could it be for you? So, I often see patients who are concerned about their reproductive potential. I do tests of ovarian reserve. We talk about what they should do with this information. And I believe that egg freezing can really be a game changer for the right woman. It can allow you freedom and flexibility for your family planning, which is really beautiful because life is dynamic. How you feel now may not be how you're going to feel in five or 10 years. I think we can all admit that. But it's really important to remember that there are no guarantees. Not all women who freeze eggs will have a child born from those frozen eggs. And I really don't like when people try to promote egg freezing as an insurance policy because it's not. The process will not work for everyone for a variety of reasons. So it's not insurance, but it's an opportunity. It is placing an investment in you and your reproductive future. You're giving yourself the best available option to have the family you wanna have in the timeline that you desire. And if your timeline's not flexible, which is fine, I can relate, mine was not, at least preserving your fertility at a younger age by egg freezing allots you the highest chance for success when you might be ready. And also importantly, many women who freeze their eggs will get pregnant naturally without a problem. They may never use their eggs or they may use them for second or third children, but regardless, they were proactive in preserving fertility often have decreased anxiety about family building and they've granted themselves a slight reprieve from the biological clock. And so I'm going to get to my challenge. It's twofold for you this week. One is I really want you to let all those numbers sink in. I think it's a little information overload to hear this episode, but think about it. And what I really want you to take away is that there is a huge knowledge gap for women when it comes to fertility. And this is a problem. And this is what I want to change. And I need your help. We need to empower ourselves and we need to empower each other with knowledge about our bodies, our fertility, and our struggles. And so if you're up for it, I want you to share one fact from this, something that you learned with somebody else. It can be your best friend, your sister, a stranger on Instagram, somebody, I don't really care, but just you take it upon you to educate one other woman. And two, I want you to think about your goals specifically when it comes to childbearing. If you've not had a child yet, I want you to think, what does your ideal look like? And should you be preparing for that better? If you're in the midst of infertility or in the middle of your family building, what is the pathway that's important to you? And how can we take the best steps to try to get there? And if you are struggling with infertility, I'm not trying to make any of this harder for you. The last thing I want is for you to listen to this episode and feel like the world is crashing down on you. If you're struggling, make sure you trust your doctor and just go all in on the process and believe in it. It can be a marathon, my friends. But just remember, you're not alone. We need to talk openly about our struggles if we feel comfortable because others are struggling too. And other people think they are alone. And people view struggle as failure, and failure is hard. And it's not a failure. It's real life. We are stronger together. And so thank you guys so much for listening today. I just can't tell you how much it means to me. This podcast is still such a baby podcast, but your support and love and encouragement, oh, it means so much to me, and it's so inspiring. And so, a huge thank you for every download, listen, subscription, review, rate, share, DM, anything. You guys are incredible. Thank you. Feel free to follow along on my Instagram. For those of you who don't, it's at Natalie Crawford MD, where we talk more about some of these subjects. And check out the website, nataliecrawfordmd.com. Also, any questions or topics you want to hear about, feel free to email them on. And please join us next week for episode five, The Contingent Life, as we talk about how living a life of contingency and delayed gratification can set us up for failure.